0: This is Bragg, son of Balan, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a LOTRO podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. Beacons are lit. Lojo calls for aid. And Brock shall answer. Jimmy Dean, welcome to Light the Bacon. A Lotro podcast focusing on the sizzling MMORPG, Lord of the Rings Online, as well as related topics in books, movies, gaming, and the lore of Kevin Bacon. This is episode number 45, and I am your host, Pag of the Lonely Mountain, Lord of the Cloven Hoof, and Dwarf of Ill Repute. I am broadcasting live from temporary LTB MEWHQ here in Mickle Delving, the place where I did all my leveling as a cook. You can just smell the bacon here by the ovens. What better place to smell nice crispy bacon than in the shire? Let's take a look around, shall we? I'm uh, just a little west of the South Fields. I can see the stable master for w- Mickle Delving over the hill. If I go off to the right here, I can see uh, just in the distance the Bounders bounty statues arising uh, amidst the uh, kind of lavender or purplish flowered trees uh, surrounded by a nice garden. Uh, with lots of uh, small gazebos and arches around it. There are leaves falling from the sky. Of course, it is, as always, a beautiful day in the shower, uh, shire. In the shower, too, except dwarves don't really shower. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's nice out. What can I say? It's the Shire. There's puffy white clouds, and um, I'm here. I see some some ramshackle little hovels under, with, under which the little craftsmen are crafting away. Uh, here I'm standing next to Petunia Greenhand, novice cook and taskmastress, who looked over all my recipes as a young fledgling cook. Uh, stick her, stuck her finger in them, tasted them, ate all the food in the bowl, and then pronounced them terrible, and sent me back to the ovens cooking again. So again, uh, what better place for a light-the-bacon episode than here in the Shire in Mickle Delving, the sight of my old cookery, uh, makes me want to break out the old, the old uh, whisk. Whisk and and uh, and bowl, and maybe my mortar and pestle. I don't know, and start kneading some dough. We'll do something here, but uh, uh, for now, let's just move on to our second bacon. Mm-hmm. Have a couple slabs of bacon here, and move on to our second bacon, Eggenbach. Uh, review of our agenda. First, it's signed for CRAP. Correction, corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week. Uh, last episode, we offended Air Potatoes, Minas Aesthetic Detractors, Fantasy Sports League Players, Hobnanigans Purists, Lepers, Unbelievers, and Donald Trump Backers. Mm. And uh, to you all, I issue a solemn and very heartfelt, no, I really mean it this time, sorry. Uh, it seems like a shorter list than usual. Uh, we must redouble our efforts this week. Maladreams suck. Maladreams suck. Maladreams suck. Grime, <coughs> hit the cough button. And edit that out. Thank you. Uh, viewer comments. Tommy Ork wrote in, friend of the show, to say, uh, I didn't realize, uh, in reflection upon uh, my descriptions of uh, first impressions of Minas Tira, Tommy Ork wrote, I didn't realize there were so many new classes to play in this update. So far I've been a florist, a floral deliverer, a coroner, a lunch deliverer, a stable boy, a babysitter, a plumber, a sewer cleaner, a mason, a gardener, a sheep herder, a storage manager, a nurse, security guard, and worst of all, a coward. I'm wondering when I'll be able to play the quote-unquote warden class. I've been asked by kids to get them alcohol I know it's a game, but this rubs me the wrong way I have a screenshot with my character in brilliant battle armor Carrying someone's dang picnic basket And then there's this line Forlong wants to hold his old war trophy Which is kept in the houses of lore So on the eve of the defining battle of the age This guy wants me to go get his trophy I found this very lore-breaking As the correct response should have been Laugh in his fat face And tell him to get off his big butt And go get it himself Took me about halfway through the babysitting quest line for me to stop reading the quest text. The above one just caught my eye and I had to facepalm. It makes me sad to be not interested in the story anymore. And, uh, Tommy Ark, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about this later in the podcast. It kind of opens up a good a good uh, avenue for discussion, potentially, at a future bacon. But um, I did want to say that... Uh, I know you're not supposed to get alcohol for kids, but they did specifically call it, what was it, like kid's ale or beer's ale, which I took to be basically root beer or ginger ale, uh, non-alcoholic, uh, certainly in its origin. I don't uh, think Tolkien would have condoned uh, the feeding of alcohol to minors, And uh, although I, to be truthful I've never been carted by uh, barley man butterbur. So there is that. Um, Community Spotlight. Drunk Middle-Earth Lore uh, has premiered on PVMP Endang's YouTube channel. It's got a couple hundred viewers already, some positive comments, um, and it was mentioned this week on Lotro Players. So, um... And dang uh, with my uh, you know asked if my permission if it would be cool to marry the actual video and soundtrack so that people don't have to go out and find it themselves and uh, was quite happy to get the exposure that his YouTube channel provides and, and hopefully give him a few uh, a few more hits as well for his advertising. so um, that was fun so who knows maybe we'll return to another edition in Brie at some point soon if the reviews continue to be positive. Um, of course, I got to build up my constitution for that. So uh, strict uh, strict conditioning will be in effect over the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, community Spotlight. Um, I already did. So I did want to mention also that 300th episode of Lotro Players uh, of, uh, I'm sorry, Lotro Reporter is upcoming in the next few weeks. I think they've got two, basically two episodes to go. So, um, you know, that's certainly uh, deserving of accolades and uh, plaudits. So please do uh, pass along, if you're a listener and have enjoyed them in the past, uh, please do pass along comments to them for their 300th episode so they can celebrate and find fashion and know that their work has been appreciated for the community. Forums Insider. So I was looking the other day uh, at the remaining server transfer schedule, which is posted. Um, For a long time, they've had the servers listed in the order which they will be transferred, but no dates attached to them. And they are adding dates as they are defined, which is rather slowly. I I did like the point that uh, I listened to on the Burton and Scrooge podcast the other week when they were basically stating, why are these announcements not coming out on the Lotro Launcher? It's probably the most effective way to communicate with your players that there is. They really relying on people to go out to the forums. We we know a fraction of the player base actually looks at the forums. Uh, I really don't understand the underuse of the launcher. Basically, it only declares sales uh, and or maybe maybe downtimes occasionally. And sometimes it goes weeks or even months without an update. You would think the server transfer schedule would be perhaps the most important information they could be possibly communicating. So I just don't get it. Um, And uh, I can't give Turbine a pass on that one. It's a Pretty severe oversight that is so easily corrected, I can't imagine why it's taken so long for them to uh, to consider it. But um, since I know they listen to this podcast with uh, bated breath, then uh, I'm sure this will be addressed soon. So uh, the remaining server transfers, Duaro Delph and Vanyar opened up uh, just in the last two days, 23rd and 24th. So those guys are scuttling right along, which leaves Silverload, with Withywindle, Vilya, Snowborn and Meneldor. Meneldor, uh, poor Meneldor, bringing up the rear. Vilja not far in front of them. Um, so, let's say this takes uh, another week in between each one. At least uh, we could be looking at at Vilya December seventh to December fifteenth. Maybe sometime right before the holidays. It'll be a busy time. So I'm not going to be getting a lot of play at that point. Um, you know. I don't know. I'm sure I'll find time to start a transfer at some point. But, uh, you know, it kind of feels like looking at the server list and watching them tick off one after the other, and you look down and your server's at the bottom of the list, and it's getting closer and it's getting closer. It kind of feels to me like the, uh, the Jurassic Park scene where they're turning the power grids back on from the storage shed, and I'm trying to scale the T-Rex fence before mine goes off. Well, hopefully it'll be going off soon. So, in this week's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing in game these past few weeks. Of course, we're going to talk a little bit about menial quests in Lotro and how players react to them. We're going to revisit another in our ongoing series of top 10 lists, this one with a tie in to a certain fatty breakfast meat. And if there is any time remaining, we will eat some bacon. What else are we going to do? third bacon nitrate this weekend to gaming and/or other Tolkien bacon news uh, so what other games have been playing yes still on portal 2 taking it nice and slow maybe just a couple puzzles per week um, currently lost in the bowels of aperture and have met one of our protagonists clay Thompson uh, sure sounds like as I'm playing the game JK Simmons and I looked it up it is. That's very cool. Also was not aware that Wheatley from the game was the voice of Steve Merchant, who recently had another funny turn on the Big Bang Theory. So, um... Props to Steam for getting some top-notch voice talent into the game to give it a little zing in its second time around. Um, DDO. I got a question. I'm going to put out there. I did a dungeon last week. It was like a level two or three. I found one that I hadn't done. It was level two or three. Uh, you know, I'm knocking around the wharfs in the warehouse section, and I, so I found one that I did. I did it. Um, you know, didn't get much of a reward. Obviously, I'm level five at this point. Um, so I have a question for our DDO players out there. And the question is, am I stuck? Is level, point, is level 5 the point at which you have to consider either subscribing or buying new content to find uh, new dungeons to go out and explore? Um, or is your only option to, to just continue to root around the marketplace in the wharf and do the same dungeons that you've done but on harder difficulty settings? I'm hoping that's not the case. Um, hoping that there still is content for level 5's which is free to play, but uh, I don't know, haven't looked around, haven't found it. Clue me in. Uh, Where should I be going at level 5 in DDO at this point? Uh, Secret World, I did one epic quest in the Savage Coast. Uh, There was an encounter uh, where I saw a guy, I was like, he looks pretty tough, I think I can beat him, and I could, except as soon as you engage him, he summons two adds out of the ground, and uh, I got smoked. So, uh, 3 seems to be too many for the Savage Coast for me at my current ability level. Uh, But I was able to advance the next epic step by being a bit careful about navigating around the zone. Uh, I'm imagining it may be slow going for a while. Uh, Question for you Secret World players. When you're looking at a mob... Uh, how do you know how tough it is? Lotro, there's a level and it's color coded. You know how difficult the mob is going to be before you fight it. You look at the level of the mob. You can see the hit points of the mob, the morale. You can see it's color coded, how far above your level it is. And sometimes you can see, um, you know, there's an indicator of whether it's a regular mob, an elite mob, an arch, a nemesis, an arch nemesis, etc. When you're looking at a mob in the secret world, how do you tell how tough it is? uh the the stats above the above the mob when you select it don't seem to give any indication so again been playing that game for some time Noob question no idea if you do let me know no marvel heroes um star trek online i played a bit of this past week i cleared a vulcan quest to find a spy threatening the ambassador uh the quest text was misleading and i had to look it up there was a was basically telling me to go around and consult a bunch of research analysts and then uh, argue against the uh, ambassador's arguments and if you if you selected the wrong response uh, out of like five or six different questions, you failed the question and had to start over. So after I did that once, I said uh, I'm not going to mess with this, I looked it up and got a clue as to what I was supposed to be doing, uh, a little unintuitive from my perspective. Um, I also ran a foundry mission for the first time. Uh, I don't know how I originally located that, but I found it in my quest log. And I couldn't find how to activate it. It said, go to the sick bay on Vulcan. And I was in Vulcan. I was walking around the planet. There's no sick bay. Uh, I tried finding the sick bay on my own ship. I couldn't locate that. And it turns out I had to actually push the hail starfleet button i think and navigate down through a menu to be able to activate the foundry quest which i'd never done before so i found that unintuitive as well uh foundry quest seems to be seems to be all storytelling and i believe there's no reward on the end i was enjoying the story but it was kind of a little de-incentivizing knowing that there was no reward coming at the end of the quest uh that i'm aware of at least and uh yeah, it was cool. It's certainly cool they give the tools the hands of the people to create content for everyone to go through And certainly I can see how some neat stories would be told that way and a lot of loving care would go into some of these foundry quests uh, But it was long and uh, It's basically walking back and forth and hearing different thought bubbles uh, From folks as it tells a little bit of a story uh, So it'd be interesting to see if the foundry gets more complex than that or if that's the average Um, I didn't get a chance to finish that quest because I ran out of time and had to quit, but, uh, I might try one or two again in the future. I've I've got a lot of regular content there before I start exploring foundry content. though, is, is my first, uh, first impression. Um, I did want to mention that uh, my little dwarves around the house are dying to play the new Tomb Raider game. I think it's called Rise of the Tomb Raider. But I'm not sure a PS4 is in the cards for us this year. I hear that a PC version might be coming early next year, but too late for the holidays. So that might be an IOU from Santa. And uh, same issue with Star Wars Battlefront, I got to admit it is compelling when I see the commercials, I feel the pull. Uh, But then I read some reviews that said the bundle comes with like 8 hours of content and then after that you need a Playstation subscription to get more content. Which does not sound very good. Uh, Another 50 bucks on top of whatever you paid to get the console in the beginning. So maybe more research on that is advised. Uh, Lotro perspective Bragg has been doing minister at dailies and uh, acquiring some of the armor from the armor sets again I'm finding their marginal upgrades it's basically like taking the same armor that you have and you know getting a tiny little upgrade on the armor rating and then being able sub- to substitute out one of the um, one of the essences you had before with a morale, basically, plus 845 morale, I think, on most of the heavy pieces. So, yeah, that's good, because it's almost like a supreme morale essence, um, but you have to use a, uh, an essence removal scroll each time you replace a set of equipment I think I had like maybe four of them saved up so even just doing it one tune I'll be buying essence removal scrolls from the uh, from the store at some point soon and they go for $2.95 a piece so <laughs> I think we're going to use it sparingly and uh, you know maybe on the tunes where those pieces will be a big upgrade whereas uh, you know Bragg had a full DA set that I was pretty happy with previously so um, let me know if you're changing armor in Minas Tirith with the new Quest Rewards uh, the one thing I like is that they're not too hard to get I mean basically two sets of dailies and you can get a piece on each side so you know uh, theoretically uh, if you run north and south gate each day for for six days I believe six or seven days you can get almost all the armor pieces and then it's just a matter of getting the essences By the way, did anyone notice there's a bunch of essence boxes you can get from following all the quest lines in Minas Tirith. You can come up with like seven or eight or nine, ten of them almost, I think. But when you open them up, I don't know if this is a glitch. I hope it's not intended. I get the same two essences every box I open, uh, Might and Vitality, um, which is okay for a Guardian. But I'm wondering if they're class-specific. So when you get... One, what you get will depend on your class. Uh, I would have liked it if you got a random essence uh, given that many boxes. Because what do I need a stack of ten vital, you know, great vital- vitality or might essences for? I would have rather have had some variety, so you know, I at least have the chance of getting something, maybe, uh, maybe that I needed more than you know, a stack of the same exact kind. I was kind of hoping that was a glitch that they might address in uh, with the hot fix, but. Um, I'll have to see. I'll have to try it with another tune. And, um, what else for Bragg? So, uh, I did discover, I mentioned, uh, previously that you can get class trade points for Minas Tirith. And, uh, I got the first one after I finished the first big battle. Um, there's a second class trade point for finishing the second big battle. And then I also acquired one for finishing quests, uh, the Explorer Deeds and the Roving Threats, I think, um... I want to say, were the three components for the third one. And then as I started to finish Slayer Deeds, I discovered that there is a meta deed for doing all the Slayer Deeds in Minas Tirith for another class trade point. So by my reckoning, that is four potential ones to be earned in Minas Tirith, which is not bad. Uh, for the amount of content you need to get to go through there, um, given the number of alts I have, I'm falling behind on earning some of my class trade points for my alts. Uh, but they're they're there to be had. Doing all the Slayer Dids in the region is kind of a grind to do on every tune. Ugh. So um, again, you know, I'm not sure I agree with linking class trade points to content that's going to force you to do certain quest lines or deeds in order to earn them. Uh, given that you'll have to deal them with all your alts. Same complaint I've had in the past. Been playing around with my Björning. I think he's 86 or 87 at this point. He's continuing to grind Heightbolt. Uh, I am now kindred with the Antwash Vale and Sudkrofts. So, appear to be knocking down about one uh, faction per week or so. I've got two to go. The Norcrofts, or the Nutcrofts as I call them. And, uh, of course, the Wold. Um... So I was questing around the Entwash Vale this past week, uh, which took me into the eaves of Fangorn. hadn't done some of those quests in a while, so that was fun. I visited with Treebeard and Gandalf and saw the, the hobbits hustling their way through the woods there. <clears throat> and I also did one of the few instances in the game that features, um, well, there, there are a, a bunch, obviously, around Mo- Rohan uh, that you'll feature. But this one was a little different. Uh, Saving the Miras, I think it was called. And uh, it's the one where the thane of the town in the northwest corner of the Antwash Vale that get destroyed warns you that there are orcs hunting down the, the Miras herds that are ranging the plain and asks you to go save them. And so you, you get into the instance and the, the wild horses are running around in kind of a tight-knit area and waves of orcs come at them and start attacking them. And, so, and some of the horses help you fight them off, including uh, Shadowfax, of course. Um, but it was fun riding around and protecting the horses on mounted combat. It made me think that you know this could be that kind of scenario could be at least uh, a piece of an instance. You know, I'm picturing an instance cluster where, uh, or just even a single instance, where the first boss is uh, basically you know open fields, mounted combat. Um, you know, where you you kill a bunch of waves of ads and then a the boss comes at the end. And then maybe after that boss is done, you dismount and you enter some kind of structure and continue on the instance. Um, You know, you've gotten this far. Take that next step would make, a you know, I think for an interesting part of an instance. Even if it was just, you know, even if it was easier, it was hard to balance. You can make it a little easier and just have something different. It's only the first boss. It's not that big of a deal. Um, you know, make the players hone their skills and become more skilled in mounted combat. Learn how to use the interactive skills of mounted combat to help their fellows. You know, nobody does that because you don't need to. Um, so that was the idea I had on that. And, um, uh, I did like that instance. It was, uh, it was different and fun. And what was the other thing I wanted to say about it? Yeah, cool fighting along Shadow Facts. So enjoyed it. Um... My Cappy, I've started questing in Minas Tirith with, so this is my first first tune, second tune to go through those quest lines. And uh, he's maybe halfway through the quest lines of Minas Tirith, uh, so making some progress. I did notice, you know, it's time to quit when you start. Quit reading the, the quest text because it becomes no fun. At that point, it's just grinding and running back and forth. You know, sometimes that happens on my third or fourth tune where I'm not as interested in the quest text, but you would think for the second one, I'd still uh, want to be reminded about the details of the story. So then it's time to take a break and do something else. Um, my lore master has been turning in tasks in Athelion for the Southern Rangers. The Rangers of Athelion, my burg has been turning tasks in Peller gear, and he'll get back to earning Vanguard of Central Gondor at some point. My um, Hunter is still questing in the Stone Deans, and my other folks have not done much lately. So that's what's been going on in this neck of the woods. What's here? What is up in our next bacon? That brings us to the bacon of Oscar Meyerlass. Menial quests in LOTRO, or in any MMO, because really they are part of any MMO that I've played on uh, in the past. Uh, maybe some are better than others at it. So, menial quests in LOTRO are sometimes what I call sticking it to the completionist. <laughs> and here are some of the problems I see, Other constraints that are involved in um, the presence of menial quests in in, in MMOs. First of all, there's uh, the variety factor. Um, there are only so many ways our avatars within the MMO can interact with the world around us. And um, I, I quickly jotted down four that came to mind for me. The first is combat that one is probably the most intricate and involved. Uh, combat system is a big part of any MMO and making it interesting and detailed and complex I think uh, you know, adds, at least for me, value to the experience. Uh, the second way you can interact with the um, environment around you is through the use of emotes. Uh, Third is the use of navigation, being able to move around the screen. Um, We know that if you've ever seen the the workbench for creating quests by the devs, uh, that they create basically um, trigger points within the geography that if you hit can trigger certain quest text or certain quest uh, branching um, that can occur. So your ability to move about the landscape and with those quest trigger points is one of the ways you can interact with with the MMO itself. And the last is clicking on stuff. Find the glowy stuff, click on it. Um, you know, a preset action will take place. Usually, usually, you got to click on multiple things. So combat is great, but as anyone that has done 347 Slayer deeds will tell you, it can get old, and you need variety. Um, in my mind, it's at its best when it's creative, both in its storytelling and innovative in its quest design, as it can afford to do typically in the epic quest line. But not every quest can have cinematic sweeps or skirmishes or custom animations or voiceovers. All that takes dev time. Uh, and certainly uh, an MMO, in this part of its life cycle, uh, dev time is a precious commodity. Um, we all know that, uh, the pace of development versus the pace of consumption is a problem for any MMO, which results typically in some sort of, uh, in some sort of grind in order to be able to give the player something to do. Um, as far as menial quests in the game, you could argue that something boring to do is better than nothing to do, and menial tasks are the easiest, uh, albeit laziest, way to create content in an MMO. does not take a lot of advanced programming and or skill to be able to create a typical menial task quest. That being said, I think there can be a place for them. Um, two of Lotro's strengths, landscape and the lore. So menial quests that cause you to explore Lotro's other strengths, the landscapes and the lore, Uh, When blended with these two tasks, uh, menial quests can be entertaining and rewarding, in my opinion. Um, Without either the lore or the landscape, uh, they can quickly get stale, and uh, with so many people in the game with multiple alts at this stage of its life cycle, multiple run-throughs can make them stale indeed, if they're stale to begin with. This is partially mitigated through the choices you can make in your leveling path, Um, but Again, negated if specific quests or deeds are required earn class trait points, as I have lamented in the past. Still, there was a place in Tokyan's lore for the common or unlikely hero that helps the little or common folk, and I would like to think that Tokian himself would have approved of the warrior, who was also a healer, or a cook, or maybe even a carpenter. Uh, though if they ever ask me to find and collect 24 nails again like they did in Galtrev, I may change my tune. You know, I talked previously about how the menial quests in Minas Tirith uh, were engaging me as far as the storyline was concerned. So I think different people can bring different experiences to it. What I liked about them was how they... Uh, Invited me to explore the uh, environment that Turbine had created for me in Minas Tirith, and I did enjoy that experience. But I certainly can see how other people might have found it less than heroic. And uh, again, I think the answer is in balance. Speaking of balance, let's move on to our next bacon Maple Rimon. So instead of a sponsor segment this week, I'm going to play a game that I thought might be fun and in the theme of things, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, to link uh, Kevin Bacon to Grime a Wormtongue. What? Grime is giving me the, the smirk over here. It's tough to see a smirk sometimes. It looks like... You know his regular expression, but if you get to know him, which I don't recommend, you you will certainly uh, you know appreciate the the fine line. Uh, I don't. He thinks I can't do it. Uh, Grima, watch me. Okay, ready? Um, this is unrehearsed as far as you know. I used to be good at this game. I haven't done it in years. Okay, I'm going to start with Kevin Bacon, and go to Grima, which is the opposite way than you normally go to, but. Uh, It's a Bacon-themed episode, so Kevin Bacon comes first. Kevin Bacon was in Animal House with John Belushi. John Belushi was in one of my favorite movies, The Blues Brothers, with Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd was in a little less favorite movie, The Blues Brothers 2000, with a gentleman named John Goodman. uh, One of my personal favorites. John Goodman, you may remember, had a great uh, cameo in Arachnophobia. Uh, That also starred Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels, in one of his uh, more uh, sophomoric efforts, was in Dumb and Dumber with Jim Carrey. (coughs) You may remember Jim Carrey was in Liar Liar with Jennifer Tilley. And Jennifer Tilly, the bride of Chucky, was in child's play with Brad Dourif, who, as you may or not know, was the voice of Chucky and also our own Grima Wormtow. Okay. Grima's giving me the downside. He said it was just his voice, it doesn't count. Fine. Jim Carrey was also an eternal sunshine of the spotlight mind. With my man, Frodo, Elijah Wood, who is in the Two Towers and Return of the King, with my man, Grima. Boom! Suck it, Grima! Told you I could do it. Let's move on to our next bacon. Uh, the sixth bacon, Canadian. Uh, for Canadian this week We have top 10 pig related facts In Lotro or the world of Tolkien Now I'll bet you didn't think I could come up with 10 Pig related facts about Lotro or Tolkien And you may be right But let's start and see how I do Number 10 uh, The pig mask is available During the Farmer's Fair Festival in Bywater for the low cost of 45 Farmer's Fair tokens Number 9 Thanks to Dane of the Iron Hills, maybe someday, after we have war goats, we can expect war pigs to be in Lotro when we explore Everbore. Number eight. In North Cotton Farms, once you have gathered the chickens, you will be given the quest to mud the pigs. A 30th level quest in the North Cotton Farms, which are part of Oatbarton. Uh, it's granted by a man named Gerard Deephole. Now... I understand how a hobbit might get a name like Proudfoot or Bracegirdle, but I'm not sure I want to know how this guy got the name of Deep Hole. Uh, mud the pigs, get a gift, madam, and then move on to feed the cows. Number seven, the Pigborn was introduced to Lotro during update five back in 2009. It has been described by some as an accordion on acid. But did you know? The pigborn is a Welsh species of idioglot reed aerophone, carved from wood or bone. The name translates literally as pipe horn and was used in Welsh folk music as early as the 10th century, which I'm sure is why it would have appealed to Tolkien and uh, the tie-ins with Middle-earth and the Welsh and Wales. Uh, Number six, cook recipes in Lotro contain at least... 8 recipes uh, with bacon including bacon wrapped flapjacks, flounder with bacon, bacon turnip mash bacon wrapped roast portridge bacon turnovers turnip and bacon casseroles and of course plain old delicious crispy bacon which if you crit it is equal to superior delicious crispy bacon that sounds awesome um now, Superior Delicious Crispy Bacon, you might know, uh, forge your character plus to 18 agility. i um, not sure how you get agility from bacon. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing that. Hardening of the arteries, we think it would be the opposite. You know, maybe they're referring to, um, you know, the uh, the time that you would spend uh, passing methane later. Um... Yes, 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 yes. Number f- five. I think I got an extra one. Uh, one of my favorite low troll quests of all time, The Specter of the Black Rider, takes place in Odovacar's Pigsties. Number five B. A striking absence of boar has been confounding Lotro newbies for years, as Par Chopley sends them searching the shores of Everswim for an elusive porcine steak. Now some of you may know what I'm talking about. How many times have you seen the chat? I can't find any boars in Even dim. And the dev's sense of humor came full circle when the North Cotton Farms instance was introduced, and killing a boar, a shadow boar in that instance, allowed you to finally satisfy mister Chopley's bacon cravings. Number four, the Old Sally quest, level nine, granted by Belko Brockhouse in Tuckborough. This is the only pig escort quest I know of in the game. Tell me if I'm wrong on that one. And for rescuing his pig, he will give you the founding writ for the Shire. Hmm. Sounds like a fair trade. Idiot. Number three, Grimgor in Angmar, outside of Og Hare satisfies two class quests, including uh, t- obtaining Grimgor's matted fur, uh, which is required for the level 50 Lore Master class quest, Articles of Mystery. And Grimgore's Ashen Hide for the Guardian's Articles of Fortitude quest. I always thought we had it easy on that one. He's usually about 20 feet outside the bottom of the hill on Aug A Bit easier to locate than some of the other uh class quest mobs that are required. Number two, the hidden deed for Boar Slayer of Middle Earth, the Pork Chopper. Who out there has the pork chopper title, and do you know what gains it? This is uh, something I did not learn for many years in Lotro. Uh, there is a hidden deed for slaying a boar in each of the following regions. Breeland, the Shire, Aridluene, North Downs, Lone Lands, Trollshaws, and Angmar. And in Angmar, of course, the only boar I believe that is in Angmar is near the Aughair ramp, is Grimgore. Uh, which means you would probably need to be level 45 or so in order to complete this deed uh, by killing Grimgore, and you might not even be pointed that way if you're not a Guardian or a Loremaster. So there may be many tunes out there who have never acquired the Pork Chopper title. Uh, and uh, at one point, I believe it was worth 50 Turbine Points, and they scaled it way back to 10 because people were doing it across like 8 or 9 tunes, and then. Uh, and uh, then trading those points in for quest packs. <laughs> and number one, old Blood Tusk might scare newbie characters in our Archet, but the biggest boar baddie in Lotro appears via private instance out of Alberg, uh in discovering the hidden origins of the Boar Tusk Orc clan in the Eastfold, the boar of Everholt that once terrorized the Furian wood in Rohan. It was a monstrous beast that inhabited Everholt in the Therian wood. The great hunter Fulka of Rohan, having rid his country of the orcs, set out to hunt down the boar. He succeeded, but received a mortal tusk wound that brought his kingship to an end. At 72 72 K. morale, he is the biggest, baddest slab of bath bacon that I can think of in the game. And since he patrolled around the feet of Halifirion in the White Mountains, that brings the bacon... Back to the beacons. <coughs> it's the seventh bacon. Halafiri fury smoked bacon. In closing, it's time for breakfast. That brings us to the end of the 45th episode of Light the Bacon. I would love to hear your plaudits, feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique. You can contact me at BraggsonofBallon at gmail.com. That's brag with with one B. That stands for bacon. Uh, On Facebook or Twitter at BraggsonofBallon. Or my website at lightthebacon.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. I kindly request you take the time to create an iTunes review about the quality of my bacon. If you are so inclined, I would very much appreciate it. If your comments incite me to forego my legendary dwarven breakfast, I will try to include them in the next podcast. Or respond in some way. So, I hope you laughed either at or with me. I hope you might have learned at least a little something about bacon you didn't know before. Or perhaps looked at your bacon with a slightly different perspective. And most of all, I hope you go eat some bacon. This is Bragg, son of bacon, signing off. Bacon Kazad. And remember... The next time you make a leftover turkey sandwich with a crusty white toast, scrape of mayo, crisp lettuce, sliced tomato, maybe some stuffing, mashed potato and cranberry in there to make it carbalicious. You could make it into a toasty club sandwich, if you remember, to light the bacon. Happy Turkey Day, folks. Catch you soon.